You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. to another edition of the Five Reasons Sports Podcast. I'm Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. Please do follow the program on Twitter, at Five Reasons Sports, on Instagram, at Five Reasons Sports. We have a full, comprehensive Miami Sports Network. We want you to follow all of it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We have, obviously, us covering all kinds of Miami sports. We have Miami Heat being on the heat in full swing Three yards per carry on what is soon to be a winding down Miami Dolphins regular season. Goldie on ice on the Florida Panthers. Swings and misses on the Marlins offseason. And he's still yet to be completed, JT Realmuto trade. But, Ethan, we've been talking a lot of Dolphins in terms of our football this fall, but obviously a ton going on elsewhere. And that leads us into our guest today is Josh Appel. He is co-host of Smart Your Territory in the Five Reasons Sports Podcast, our wrestling podcast, and the play-by-play voice for Sports USA Media, which is a radio company that you hear all across the country with live radio games, both college and NFL football. He's been all around the country this year calling games. Josh, thanks for doing this. Of course. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm, I'm much more happy to be here with Ethan, uh, mm-hmm. more so than you. Um, I, I really had wished Ethan would have done the intro, but I mean, it's fine. It's a very flattering intro, and I do appreciate it. But just know that I would. I wish it was Ethan who had introduced me. So let's Can talk I redo some- it? Can I redo it? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. Oh, I love it. Here, here, as always, with Chris Whittingham and... Today, we're here with Josh Chappelle. You can find him on Twitter at Josh Chappelle. He's the co-host of Smark Your Territory, the most popular this podcast other than this one in our network. Also catch him as the play-by-play guy for Sports USA. What is and, going on? And, and, we, and, <laughs> and we used his studio when we uh, did a podcast on the Dolphin game, so we appreciate that. Josh, good to that be here. That wasn't really my decision, but you're welcome. It's great to be here with Ethan. Not great to be here with Chris. I will say, though, that it's nice, you know, there have been, there's been some talk around around local media that Smart Your Territory is barely in the smattering of podcasts, so it's nice to be officially in the smattering in my appearance on the flagship. Can I talk now? Yes. Can, can I can I regain? I mean, it's your podcast. Can, can, can I regain no, the controls not, of the show? <laughs> I mean, come on, what just happened? All right, we want to we want to talk some uh, some college football with you because you've been call- we calling a ton of uh, college games this year and kind of run through uh, the Florida teams in bowl season and maybe talk some NFL as well. Want to start uh, with the University of Miami? Uh, they enter the Pinstripe Bowl uh, with a lot of storylines going on at the moment. Obviously, the defensive coordinator change that happens. They like to go internal, uh, which is not something that I think a lot of people have thrown out there promoting their safeties coach and their outside linebackers coach uh, towards being the co-defensive coordinators of this team, which I think is just sort of preserving what they had already built. And then you have the quarterbacking situation with Nikosi Perry. In terms of this bowl game, I feel like it's going to be an unsatisfying end to the uh, season playing in a non-New Year's Six game, but it's still a prestigious one playing at Yankee Stadium, playing against Wisconsin. Uh, What do you think Miami fans can learn about their team in this game? Uh, Just kind of how they respond to adversity, I would say. You know, you lose your top assistant in Manny Diaz. You're not playing with Gerald Willis on the defensive line. So there are some things that you have to overcome there. So I guess how they respond to losing a defensive coordinator. And I think it's interesting that they stayed in-house for the replacement. And they actually tapped two guys, as you said, to replace Manny. And I think that a couple of things might be at play there. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the practice facility, uh, the indoor facility and, and the cost of that. And then just in general, the amount of money that's left for the athletic department to spend. And I feel like that, while continuity might be an important part of it, I think that might have played a bit into it as well because it hasn't there been talked to, for, forgive me for not knowing this, but hasn't there been talked to about, you know, adding an offensive coordinator as well? Like they lose, <laughs> they lose their top assistant and now would have to hire two different coordinators. Instead, they just give a little bit of a raise to the two guys who are already there. 
And I, I found that interesting too uh, when I was reading about Vanda and Patkey. Is that how you say Patkey's name? I should know this, right? I'm a professional. I should know this. Just listen uh, to the Five Rings uh, Canes podcast where they, they did lengthy interviews with both of Pell. What kind of preparation is this? This is like really <laughs> terrible. Really terrible. I, I'm blowing it. And honestly, it's it's just back to the spattering with course. you. Yeah, back to the spattering for me. But I think that it, it's good. It's a familiar voice for the for the guys there. But it'd be interesting to see because these guys work their way up similarly to Manny Diaz through the ranks. And I, I find that interesting. And maybe they're just kind of Manny Diaz clones in waiting. See, I think they made the right decision here with the defensive coordinators. And, and I know that some Canes fans are going to look at it like they took the cheap way out. Like, I don't know what the amount was, you know, that you had to pay to promote these guys. But it, to me, the continuity there was critical, particularly as you were losing recruits. There was a feeling, uh, I don't know if this is fair or not, that they didn't do enough to keep Manny. I think if the reports are true about what they offered, they did do enough. He just wanted to be a head coach somewhere right. else. And so, so I, I think, but, but I still think with the way that the fan base is teetering right now, if you had gone out and gotten a Tommy Tuberville, which was rumored, I mean, people would have been like, Oh my God. I mean, you serious. Like, you know, I mean, we're going to go back in time. Like Tuberville was, was defensive coordinator here, I think 24 years ago. And we're going to go back that direction. At least this is to me, a move towards the future. You see if one of these guys evolves as kind of the voice of it, but I was fine with that move. I, my biggest question now is what it means for the offense, because if they save the money, because I was told from talking to people who are sort of affiliated with the program, that one of the issues was they weren't going to have enough money for a new DC and a new OC. Okay. If Manny left, well, they didn't really spend any money on the DC. I mean, not like what they could have spent. Right. And so do they have enough money for a new offensive coordinator? And if they do, will Rick allow it? Okay. Or, I mean, John Rick keeps posting Instagram photos of how beautiful South Florida is. It's terrific that he loves the area. Can you please coach the quarterback so three of the four don't get suspended? That's where I'm at with the program. Like, what are they doing? Continuity on the defense is fine. But what are they doing to make this offense better? Because this offense was quarterback play was a big part of it. But the offensive line was atrocious. To me, that's the big issue here. Right. And I think bigger than money, which, you know, what could be bigger than money? But I think you hit the nail on the head with your second question right after that is, does Mark Richt want to finally relinquish play calling and hire somebody else? And on top of that, is there somebody out there who he thinks could do a better job than him? Coaches, we always talk about how tough it is for them to relinquish that kind of power. I think we're kind of seeing that um, with Adam Gase a little bit. They want to want to be so involved in everything and maybe be better for everybody else. So they just took a self-evaluation and took a step back and said, let me manage everything else. I let somebody else just focus on the play calling. But I think that's what it'll come down to, whether or not Mark Rick wants to make an offensive coordinator higher. And not only that, but is there somebody out there that he feels could do a better job than him? As far as the effort that Miami made to keep Manny Diaz, of course, that's what you're going to do. But at the end of the day, Manny Diaz is somebody who's going to be coaching for a long time. And Temple, if you look at that job, you might say, oh, we're Miami. That's just Temple. But guys like that, they want to have a head coaching opportunity. And Temple, for the last four guys that have been the head coach there, have all been elevated into Power 5 jobs. Al Golden, Steve Adazio, Matt Rule, and now Jeff Collins. And so is Manny Diaz going to be that fifth guy? We'll see. I, I saw a lot of people saying that, you know, Temple, it's just Temple. Any situation where you're going from being a coordinator to a head coach is a better situation at the Division One level, especially in a conference like the American and especially at a school like Temple, which has been proven to be a springboard for the head coaches there to move on to Power 5 jobs. Now, I wanted to sort of look at from going into next year, because I think that's what this bowl game is about, is looking towards next year, and really where their strengths are, particularly offensively. I just don't see going into next year where that, sign, where that optimism is. And I think that's a broader problem, because if you're not really feeling great about the quarterback position, there's been flashes out of the running back position, but in general, hasn't been that great. Uh, the receiving core, those five stars and those four stars, have not looked like it, really, save for Jeff Thomas. Uh, the tight ends have been up and down. The offensive line has been a disaster. So even with a coordinator change, how much is that really getting fixed? And then on a broader possible level, if we're talking about money, right, money being an issue potentially for this program with the practice facility and with everything that's that they're trying to do to be more like the rest of college football, uh, obviously, I, I think, does everyone get a boost from the from the new TV network that starts next year? I think that leads to their, yes. their TV money going up. But even still, if money is an issue, then 
I do think that the decreasing fan base that I think there will be next year is going to be a real problem. They don't have a very attractive home schedule. Uh, their their big game is on a neutral site against Florida. We'll get to neutral site against Florida later on in the pod. Oh. Uh, but I do think that the season ticket base is going to be down and the crowd's going to look a bit more empty just because that sense of optimism that was building from when Rick began is now gone a little bit. So I think all of these things snowballed towards a program that is going to take a step back next year and maybe for the next couple of years right and I think that all that other stuff is well and good with depth or not having depth at running back I think obviously losing Richardson and Thomas uh, this season really hurt the, the receiver core and then they had some injuries at tight end as well that you mentioned but it's all going to come down to who's playing quarterback and whether or not they get good quarterback play because a good quarterback can elevate everybody else so listen to your guys podcast after the, the Dolphins Vikings game and you brought up the point that Ryan Tannehill doesn't do anything to elevate the other guys around him. And if you if Rick can somehow find a guy in the transfer market or whoever, or maybe Jaron Williams somehow, or Perry takes that next step where they're making guys around them better, maybe you see that optimism return. I just, I don't see it getting better from this year to next year. I don't see enough in the recruiting class and I don't see enough personnel wise. that's already there. That would make that next jump. But I think you're right. It's a, it's a tough place to, to win over fans down here, especially with a program like that where things can turn so quickly in the fan base, no matter what happens, it's going to be a tough draw to get people out to the rock next year. Ethan, I want to ask you a different question because you've always been more pro-orientated than college-orientated. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make of this increasing trend of players like uh, Nick Bosa uh, not mm-hmm. playing in the bowl game, Gerald Willis uh, electing to do the same, that it started, I think I think the turning point on this, I remember because I was watching the game and it was here, was when Jake Butt, the Michigan tight end, yeah. who was mm-hmm. going to be a first-round pick, tore his ACL on the awful pitch at, the, at, at Hard Rock Stadium and eventually never really had his pro career get off the ground when it was going to be a first-round pick. And I think really since then, players playing in non-important, non-playoff bowl games is now becoming ever more of a thing as they protect their draft status. Do you feel like college football was always kind of heading in this direction? Do you think this is a decreased valuing of bowl games, or do you think this is players being more self-interested deservedly? I think it's deservedly, and, and I'm surprised it didn't happen after Willis McGahee tore up his knee, honestly. Um, I, I mean, this should have happened a long time ago. What leverage do the players have in their in what I view as a battle with the NCAA for it not to be basically an indentured I'm not I'm not gonna use the S word, but I'm gonna use indentured servitude. Okay. I mean I mean that's what it is, all right. And the NCAA has taken advantage of this forever. They're, the coaches okay get these buyout ridiculous buyout contracts i mean you know look, look what's happened in fsu right now willie taggart goes to fsu is, is bombed so far you can't get rid of the guy you can't get rid of the guy because how much you have to pay him that's a state university okay that's not that's not miami that's a state university that's taxpayer money it's insanity what goes on in college football and the only leverage the only leverage that the athletes have is the is whether they decide to play or not play and so I view it as bigger than just preparing yourself for the draft. Why should a player put himself on the line when he's this close to making a ridiculous amount of money, potentially in the pros and setting himself up for life to play in a bowl game for what, for, for go, go school, go team. I mean, I, I mean, I don't understand it. I I've been surprised that college athletes have not realized their own power. And that is the power that they have. It's the power to play or not play. And I think what you see where we know what SEC country, we know which way they lean politically. And what also what tends to come out in these situations is a player doesn't play. How could he not play? How could he go against the school? And that's that's where I'm at with it. So any of these guys decide they don't want to play in a bowl game. Good. Now, I, I kind of find the whole power dynamic fascinating in college football because I guess sort of the next step, and, and I think a lot of people worry about, well, then well then what's going to happen if blah, blah, blah? And so I guess the, the, counter, the counter sort of, the counter will be, well, what happens if a player, like the moment in their junior or senior season when they know they're going to the draft, decides, well, as long, the second we're out of playoff contention, let's say you're playing for Georgia, and they, they start 6-2. and two. They have four regular season games left, and they know they're not making the playoffs. So the moment they're not making the playoff, you stop playing? Like, what's, what's that next step? And I think the other thing you're seeing, too, in college football is players that are transferring the moment that they realize that they're not going to play. Uh, Josh, you mentioned Justin Fields with Georgia. They're shoehorning 
shoving him into the game because they're trying to keep him in the way that Alabama is trying to keep Tua by throwing him into the national championship last year, but having him run all these gadget plays and the fake punt during the SEC championship game, they're trying to incorporate him in the game because they know if they don't play him enough, he's going to transfer, and he transferred anyway. Players right. wrestling the power in this sport where they are powerless, I think is going to be a dynamic in this sport for the next few years. Of course. And I'm looking forward, as you said, to seeing kind of where it ends up. I think a similar example to what you first brought up uh, about players deciding to sit out regular season games was Nick Bosa this year for Ohio State. Um, he could have come back, but not sure it was worth it for him. So, you know, that's such a, a difficult balance, though, because how can you as a junior earlier in your in your season, you know, you're going out you can still improve your draft stock in regular season games. I think what, what differentiates the bowls from regular season is that what else could you really do in a bowl game that's going to, at that point, affect your draft stock? You could, If you have a, a five or six games left in a season, in a regular season, you can accomplish a lot over that time frame. But a, a point that I forgot to bring up, the transfer rules. Um, I know, Chris, obviously, you just brought it up. That's a huge thing for the players. I think that's gonna that area is going to keep improving. I think we got to give the NCAA some sort of credit there on improving transfer rules for players now where it makes it easier for them to pick schools where they want to go to. There's no more of that nonsense about transferring in your conference with the same school that you were just at. So little things like that. Um, and if a coach leaves, they're allowed to go as well. It's such a tough dynamic. Because you, you look at what happened with Jalen Hurts in the SEC championship game, and I'll, you get all the pundits that come out and say, oh, look at what, what happens when you, know, you stick it out and you stay with your team and you don't give up when, when you, know, you lose your spot against adversity, all that nonsense. And that's great. Awesome for Jalen Hurts. It's a great story. But why do we have to use that to knock the kids like a Justin Fields who are sitting behind a great quarterback in Jake Fromm who's done nothing to lose his job? So there's no reason why Jake Fromm's not going to play at Georgia. If Justin Fields is as good as everybody says he is and he has a, a future in the pros, why is he going to waste his time sitting behind Jake Fromm and never play? He should go somewhere, try and prove himself. I don't get the knock on that. I agree that it's an awesome story that Jalen Hurts stuck it out. Maybe there were other circumstances there where Nick Saban played him to kind of take away the option of transferring and keeping an extra year of eligibility. That's another conversation. But both are okay. Jalen Hurts can stay there, battle that adversity, go through being the backup, go back in to replace Tua. Tua, I I know how to say it. Don't do it. Tago Vailoa. It's Tago (laughs) Vailoa. I know how to say it. I'm not going to be like the guy at the Heisman ceremony or Stugatz. It's Tua, Tago Vailoa. I know how to say it. (laughs) Both stories are great. Like I said, Jalen Hurts, what he did, awesome. Justin Fields, if he transfers and go plays great, uh, plays really well somewhere else, that's awesome too. Both can be okay, and we should be supporting both decisions. But don't when you look at those two players, to me the big difference is I don't think Jalen Hurts has a pro future, right? No. Like so but 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 Fields But Jalen Hurts could have Jalen Hurts could have transferred somewhere and played and tried to, you know, he would have been a perfect fit at a place like Miami. Who knows? There are other places. He still could be, by the way. Taken. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he'd be better than what they ran out there this year. Well, I, I think the other difference, we talk about college football, and then you look at college basketball. In college basketball, there have been some players who they, they do have more power than college football, in part because there are fewer that make up. You need two really good college players and you're a good team uh, in basketball. But also in basketball, there's the option of going overseas. So what we've seen is guys like Emmanuel Moutier or Brandon, go back to Brandon Jennings, who ended up being top 10 picks by just basically bolting on college entirely. The, the problem for college football players is they don't have that option. But I do think they have these other ways to kind of press the envelope here and force the NCAA to make changes. Because you mentioned the transfer changes. I mean, that should have happened 25 years ago, Josh. Agreed. No, 100% agreed. I, I, 100% I, mean, agreed. I mean, this idea of you having to wait a year and you can't go in, inside the conference and all the rest of this. And meanwhile, you've got college coaches recruiting all their players and bolting the next day, and then they're getting $20 million buyouts. I mean, what is that? And I think for people like me who love football – but just I get and I love the college. I do agree with I think both of you guys feel this way. I know Whittingham does. I feel like college games are more entertaining than. Yes. Pro- mm-hmm. OK. Co- and as someone who calls them, Josh, I know you feel that way. College games are more entertaining. But the whole thing just makes me feel dirty. Like by the end of the day, I just I, I'm watching this and I'm like, OK, what, what are they getting out of this? Exactly. Don't worry. That's what bothers it, it, me. And don't worry if you go in on Sundays and enjoy watching the NFL, you'll feel just as dirty watching that too. So <laughs> those are our alternatives. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll get to UCF and their battle with Florida in just a moment. But first, a quick break. 
Today's edition of the Five Reasons Podcast is brought to you by AutoNation. Since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer, chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop from over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities, from the luxury Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup you always wanted. They've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every year, and you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free in addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125 point inspection and come with an everyday low no haggle price one price no pressure guaranteed start your search right now at autonation.com and thanks to autonation for being a great sponsor of the five region sports network all right so the big story this week in college football uh involves emails i feel like emails are now the uh the, the but basis. they're emails yeah they're, right exactly they're they're the basis for any and all news stories now so the ucf AD Danny White, his emails were subpoenaed. I, I, it's more like Freedom of Information Act. Subpoenaed makes it sound more important than it is. Uh, were Freedom of, of Information Acted by the Orlando Sentinel uh, regarding the negotiations that there have been a lot of rumors about what UCF had asked for, what UF had asked for, and now we have actual proof of uh, what the requests were. So basically, UCF now finds itself in a position where Unless they join a major conference, they have to figure out a way to make it into the top four with, with their current arrangement of being in the, the American Athletic Conference. So they're looking to schedule better opponents like the University of Florida. And so uh, when the UFAD, Scott Strickland, who came over from Mississippi State, uh, gave some public comments about uh, you know being okay with scheduling UCF, Danny White, the UCFAD, took advantage and wrote the following email. I was excited to read that you're open to playing us in football and would like to talk more about that. We are looking for a home-and-home series beginning in 2021. We would also consider a neutral site game if that would expedite the process of getting a game scheduled between our two programs. Strickland emailed back and said he was aware of White's philosophy of only scheduling home-and-home series with Power 5 opponents, but reiterated UF's longstanding scheduling philosophy regarding schools outside the Power 5. Quote, UF isn't in the market for home-and-home or neutral site games against non-autonomy 5 opponents. Uh, Autonomy Five just makes sense. So absurd. Uh, however, we would be open to a series similar to what we have agreed with with USF. Two games in Gainesville and one in Orlando. We are in need of a home opener for the 2022 season. So, uh, two, and September 3rd, 2022, date you mentioned would be a perfect date to begin the series, and we can fill in the remaining games from there. Danny White then responds with, "We don't want to do that. We would be perfectly fine playing a neutral site contest, but we're not going to do." two for one we want to do either one for one or a neutral site and then it kind of goes on this long diatribe about how UCF uh, needs to be needs to get help from power five teams in order to work their way into the college football playoff now Josh what did you make of uh, these emails coming out and just the overall idea of uh, kind of UCF playing from behind trying to figure out any way to work their way into a legitimate conversation but then sort of wanting to do it on their own terms look I understand Danny White's position but the reality is, is what he's arguing for the time being, it ain't happening. And for them, until the, until the playoff expands to eight teams, the Big Ten commissioner yesterday or today just came out and, and said, look, we need to move forward with expansion talks and moving the playoff to eight games. And whether or not that happens, that remains to be seen. But for the time being, UCF just has to get better teams in their schedule and beat better teams. And while I get that they've been and the do it at a disadvantage, you're saying right, absolutely. Look, that's the reality. You got to take the games. If you're as good as you say you are, go take the games. And not only that, it's not really that much of a disadvantage. UCF gets a big paycheck from Florida in these two for ones. USF's getting a huge paycheck from Florida for that two for one. They're helping out that athletic department, and they get three games against a top tier SEC program and the program in the state of Florida a team that's won multiple national titles in the last, what, 15 years? So if you're UCF and you have a chance to get Florida on your schedule, you make that happen. I don't get what the drawback is. I get they, they want the home and home. But the reality is Florida's not going to agree to that. And you're not going to find a lot of top-tier schools that are going to. I saw some people bring up examples of Florida State and USF agreeing to a home and home or Miami and Toledo and uh, Arkansas State, even though they didn't play the return game there. And Mi- Miami um, and App State, too. Right, at App State. And Miami took a lot of heat for those home-and-homes. Yeah. A lot of heat. Even though I, I, ended, lot- I ended up enjoying all of them. I, I enjoyed the at Toledo game. That was fun. It's different, of course. And, I'm, and I respect Miami for going out and doing things like that. But 
if you're UCF and everyone's telling you, you have to schedule tougher. These home and homes with the UNCs and the pits of the world, and I know they have Stanford and South Carolina coming up on their schedule, and those would be impressive games, but Stanford isn't what they were. South Carolina, at best every year, is an eight, nine-win program. That's not moving the needle for UCF. If UCF replaces their North Carolina, or they didn't play North Carolina this year, but just hypothetically speaking. They replaced who they beat. Right, no, but they had UNC on the schedule, but it was washed mm-hmm. out because of the hurricane. Yeah. Um, if you replace Pitt with South Carolina, is that moving the needle for that needle for them this year and getting to the playoff? No, it's not. And and Ethan, I think when you look at uh, it's sort of the counter argument, and obviously this comes from UCF public defender number one, Jeremy Taché, who's uh, yes, in our network yes. and uh, it co-hosts oh, our Marlins podcast, yes. and is on uh, yes. the War on I four podcast. Worst decision I've ever made. That's right. <laughs> but uh, well, so no, he's John Carlo is. But so, well, so I think <laughs> I think he actually made what was a fairly compelling argument, uh, which was. You talk about you know politics uh, sort of bleeding into college football, and I think there's certainly a, a backdrop of it. This is kind of a case of haves and have-nots, and the have-nots have to agree to the terms of the haves, and why are we okay with it? Even understanding that Florida's not going to agree with it, I felt like a lot of people, particularly the fans of the establishment programs that are in power schools, like I saw a lot of Miami fans, and uh, I know your uh, your co-host Josh, uh, Mr. Bill Eleven on Twitter was obviously making fun of UCF for this, and uh, the UF fans and the FSU fans are making fun of UCF for this, but I feel like that that comes from a position of privilege where you never have to actually you know fight for your right as an undefeated team to get in. If Miami went undefeated this year, they'd be in the college football playoff. Uh, right, so, but they but they also play in a better conference against better understood. teams. And I, and, I get, and I get UCF is is, is really well, good. Bar- at, at, barely, barely better. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, Pitt was in the ACC championship. No, hundred percent. I, I but, agree. But, but what but I'm saying, honestly. what I'm saying is, if you're UCF now, right, and no conference wants to let you in, and no schools want to schedule you. On, on on your terms, right? You have to take it on their terms. But that's the thing. No school wants to schedule them. So when you have an opportunity to get Florida on your schedule, you take no, that but, opportunity. But, but what I'm saying is, is are are we we're okay with haves and have nots, right? And I think I think that's kind of the position of UCF fans is why are we okay with this? Josh, I understand what you're saying about you know you have sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details have to schedule better games and if you have an opportunity to do so you should do it but you also made the point that like other schools got banged on for doing these home and homes like um well uf's not going to get banged on for scheduling a team that hasn't lost a game in two years i mean i this is not the same as scheduling savannah state home and home okay i know um didn't do that but it's not the same thing to me josh i mean i to me I think that these other schools should be in a position where they want to prove basically that all of this, this UCF hype train that, you know, that Jeremy and others in our network push is fraudulent is fraudulent. So beat their ass. Why be afraid of them in any sense? Just schedule them and beat them if you're better and you should be better. As you mentioned, the Gators have been the most successful program. I think it's fair to say in the state of Florida over the past 15 years, I know they had some valleys, but overall over the last 15 years, that's true. So why should you be afraid? I, no matter how many students they have, why should you be afraid of this upstart from Orlando? I don't get it. No, I, I get that. And I think that this is <laughs> this is a pretty simple thing that has now turned into a bigger thing because that point is true as well. If Florida feels that they are, if UCF's not worth their time, they're scheduled a one-on-one and beat them twice and be done with it. You can make that same argument for both sides. And I understand. And again, I get what Danny White's doing at uh, the AD for UCF. I get it. He's fighting for his school. And if I was someone, a part of that UCF athletic department, or if I went to UCF, I'd be loving what I'm seeing right now from Danny White. I love what I've been seeing from Danny White for the last year and a half since this whole, since UCF has really blown up. But at the same time, like these are two years. They were six and six two years ago. They were 0 and 12 three years ago. Sustain it before you demand respect like you've been this same program for 25 years. Before 2013, they were in Conference USA and they had a lot of great seasons in Conference USA. But it's Conference USA. Jeremy was saying that, you know, they had more winning. Uh, we, we were having this conversation, Tito, Jeremy, and I, in, in one of our group texts. And Jeremy was saying, you know, how. 
UCF has said more winning seasons or more 10 win seasons, something like that, than Florida has this decade. And again, that's fine, but you were also playing in Conference USA, and it's different. And, and I don't think that we can look at these two schools like they're on an even playing field because they're not. Now, in terms of on the field between these two teams, between UCF and UF, they were definitely vying for best team in the state this year, but we don't really get to find out either because they didn't play each other, and obviously US, UCF uh, doesn't have their quarterback. Uh, UF playing Michigan in a bowl, UCF playing LSU in a bowl. Obviously, if they beat LSU, they'll definitely have the transitive right to say they're better than Miami, even if we know they already are. Uh, but the fact that Milton isn't playing and they potentially could fall short of delivering on the narrative of two, two consecutive undefeated seasons and even understand uh, Josh as you find the UCF fans insufferable and find the program oh, insufferable the worst. it's still right a bummer that we don't get to see Milton in the bowl game I need to clarify something <laughs> I I don't I do not dislike UCF as a program I do not find UCF as a program insufferable in fact since George O'Leary left and they hired Scott Frost and Danny White came in as AD and made a, a bunch of great hires I don't know nobody cares about this but their women's basketball hire was great. Their baseball hire was great. So as a program itself, I respect the hell out of what they're doing. Their AD is awesome, and it's hard to dislike the players and the personnel that are there. Now, what sours it for me is the fan base. So I just feel like I had to make that clarification. But it's like you said, after all of that, it's hard to make a rational uh, or a, a good uh, summation of their season when their best player is not there. And uh, Daryl Mack is a fine backup. He's played well um, in place of Mackenzie Milton. That comeback against Memphis at home in the conference championship was great. But they're not the same team, and you're never going to know. And if they beat LSU with their backup quarterback, that's great. But UCF hasn't faced a defense like LSU all year long. And it's a different situation than last year when they were facing Auburn in the Peach Bowl because Auburn was just coming off of uh, a heartbreaking loss and, a, and no birth in the college football playoff. And so they weren't really invested in it. LSU, while they've had some tough losses this year, obviously you look at that seven overtime game against Texas A&M to end the season. But Ed Orgeron's not going to be a guy that's not going to have his team unmotivated for a New Year's Six game. And so I think it'll be a nice challenge for UCF. And I know there's been some talk with LSU's offense and Joe Burrow, whether or not he's actually any good. Um, UCF's defense, led by Randy Shannon, breaking news, not good. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting what that matchup is. I'm interested to see the, uh, an elite SEC defense against an elite offense with a backup quarterback, because as, as much as they miss Milton, they still have three guys at running back. They still have loads of talent at receivers. So they're not, the cupboard's not bare there. They still have plenty of weapons and, and plenty of ways that they can beat you. But I'm interested to see what they look like against a legitimately elite defense from the best conference of football. All right, uh, we'll get in. We'll get onto the NFL and a little WWE because, of course, he's the co-host of our Smart Your Territory podcast. But first, a quick break. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Also, a great Miami sports fan. He's just as frustrated as you. You should see my texts during Heat, Dolphins, and Panther games. That's Carmi over at Greenlight Tech. You know, every athlete needs a team. It's the same as in business. That's why more small to mid-sized businesses in South Florida are choosing green light tech. That's the full service concierge IT company that always gets it right. Greenlight Tech advises, monitors, supports, and keeps your important data backed up and secure. They will even manage your vendors for you. Call Greenlight Tech at 561-325-9997. That's 561 561- 325-9997. Mention this ad and you'll get a free assessment. Sign up and your first month is also free. Be unstoppable. Green light tech. Want to get into a little NFL because you do call NFL as well. You were at uh, Patriot Steelers this past weekend, which been, must have been an amazing game to be at. Uh, but want to start first uh, with the Dolphins. Uh, you guys were enjoying this morning uh, my rant, my rants on uh, on the pod on Sunday night, um, and uh, and just in general, uh, what's happening with the Dolphins right now. Uh, Josh, I'll start with you. Um, and now that this season is kind of pretty much heading towards its end, just by virtue of the fact that they lost and everyone around them won, uh, what do you make? of what the Dolphins season will probably end up becoming, which is eight and eight or nine and seven and no playoff berth. Well, that's every year, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> it's tough because I know Ethan and we have gone back and forth on this in our group text uh, with the rest of the hosts of the network. It's, it's hard to get a gauge on really how God, no, you disagree with this, but for me, it's hard to get a gauge on what this team could have been given all the injuries. And I know a lot of teams have dealt with injuries like this, but they lost their, 
two best offensive, well, I would say their two best explosive offensive weapons in um, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. And now they're without Frank Gore, who's having a nice season at 100 years old. Um, now, there are other things that are obviously glaring issues defensively. I don't know what's going on on that side of the ball. On paper, that team should not be this bad, or that defense should not be this bad. You look, especially what they have in the secondary when healthy. Um, I don't know how. It, it, the thing that the, I, I, the Dolphins, they strike a weird chord with me. It's the Dolphins and the Panthers that, that do this to me. I, I, I don't understand how they are the way they are. Every week we watch them play. And like Sunday, I don't understand how teams make it look so easy to play against us. And when we go on offense with the Dolphins, I can't do we. When the Dolphins go on offense, where the Dolphins play defense, it's like they've never gone on the field or played together before. It looks like the hardest thing in the world for them to get a stop or to get a first down. That stat that you gave uh, in the podcast on Sunday night, Chris, uh, when the Dolphins are down by a score and they have three possessions, negative 11 yards, or sorry, 11 plays, negative nine yards. That's insanity to me. Like, I, I don't I don't get that. Um, I think the fact that Adam Gase, how he's gotten seven wins out of this slop um, is incredible, but I think... There are so many. Uh, there, there, there are so many. Can I ring a bell? Can I ring a bell? Is there something I could do to jump in on that one, Chris? Or do I just leave that? <laughs> Feel free. Go on. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm going to stop you right there on that, okay? Because I, I pulled this, and, and apparently people think I'm wrong on this one, okay? Because I said, it, when you look at Pro Football Reference, uh, it says that the Dolphins, based on their numbers, should be five and nine. Okay, based on all of their other metrics, should be five and nine. That might even be generous, to be honest. I mean, you're 29th in the league in offense and defense. Right, that's that, what I'm that's, saying. That's worse than five and nine. So when I pulled it, Josh, I said, does this mean, uh, and they're seven and seven, does this mean that they've, you know, that Adam Gase should get credit for this or blame for this? Now, I look at it and I say, if you're 29th in offense and defense, your coach should get blamed for that. Okay. Right. And and that the seven and seven is a product of a lot of luck, to be honest. Okay. But you I need mean, luck sometimes. That's yeah, part you, of it. You, you do, but he's been – it's funny. He's been incredibly unlucky when it's come to injuries, right? Mm-hmm. But he's been incredibly lucky when it's come to game circumstances. All right, so whether it's Charles Clay not deciding that he was fastened to the end zone and not coming out to catch the ball, okay, whether it was the Patriot game, which we know about, whether it was you know being outplayed badly by the Jets and the Bills at home and winning both games, okay, in part the Jets game because – Darnold threw the ball right to to Jerome Baker. Like, I look at it overall, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to assign 29th in the league in offense and 29th in the league in defense and a horrific point differential and terrible play on the road. And every game you lose, with the exception of the Indy game, you're getting blown out in. I'm going to assign – Cincinnati, right. And Cincinnati was more on Tannehill and the injury and all the rest. Okay, so right. maybe maybe you throw that one aside. But I'm going to assign that blame to the coach. The fans are looking at this and are like, ah – we kind of suck, and yet we're seven and seven. Gase must be doing a good job. I, I don't think it's that clear, uh, you know, a correlation there. But uh, I know they get the three yards per carry guys disagree with me on that. Uh, no, and, th- and those are all fair points, and, and it's certainly criticism that he deserves. There's no excuse to consistently look as bad as they do on the road, especially in big games. It it just, I think I think they're they're obviously in the more towards the middle of how they play at home and how they play on the road, which is why they're seven and seven. Go figure. Um, I think did you guys see the tweet uh, that came out this weekend uh, that you know how a few weeks ago somebody said how the Redskins were 500 over the last whatever how, whatever how many games someone did that with the Dolphins I think it said they were like 66 and 66 in <laughs> I don't want to do math as hard in their in their last what 132 yeah exactly great math good job <laughs> um, and so that's just what they are um, I see the thing though is. If you keep firing coaches after three years, what are you doing? You're just spinning in a circle. You're doing the same thing over and over again, and it's not working. And I, I feel like they almost have to give Gase another year. Uh, that, it's so depressing to say because, like, we we know what Chris, uh, I think at this point, all of us, we know what Ryan Tannehill is. He's fine. Never going to win you a game. Not going to make uh, people around him better. He's fine. I think at this point we know what Adam Gase is. Um, I think he's okay. And like he's had to deal with a lot of injuries. Uh, they won a lot of one score games his first year when they made the playoffs. Um, they dealt with injuries back then too, 
and they were decent. But then they go on the road at Pittsburgh in the playoffs, and they get blown out. And they had uh, the game last year, 40 nothing at Baltimore in that night game. They had that Cincinnati game, too. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. It was a Thursday night game. Dolphins wore all orange. They scored on the deep ball to mm-hmm. Kenny Stills in that first play, and they got blown out after that. It's a consistent theme with Adam Gay. 7-17 seven and 17 on the road and 14 of those losses by double digits. I mean, at a certain point, what do you do? It's such a it's such a conundrum for Stephen Ross because uh, we talked about this too yesterday in the group text. We should just make the group text public, by the way. <laughs> no, that's it. We, that's no. It. <laughs> so that's, I'm glad you I'm glad you caught on to the inside joke I just no, made. There. No, no, that, that absolutely. That, that, I mean, do you uh, the repercussions of that? Do you Do you have any idea? Would end uh, how the, I mean, I mean, just slim alone, really. Just 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 put slim of balls cast. <laughs> To, to the side, we'd all basically, I mean, we're all Richie Incognito to Giancarlo Navas, uh, Jonathan Martin. So that's not a great idea either. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give a big, and plus it would just be uptown the entire time telling us he was right about things. So uh, people really, they get enough of that. They get enough of that in public. Uh, well, what I was going to say was we were talking yesterday about like, so they fire Adam Gase, then what? I, and I think that uh, CK and I, and I'm, I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but really the only guy that I look at that I'd say right now in this coaching market, this offseason, that would be better than Adam Gase is probably John Harbaugh if the Ravens miss the playoffs and they oh, fire him. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 I thought you were going to say Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> no, 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 no. If they, if they go back to the Jim Harbaugh, well, like, uh, no thanks. Like, no thanks. Stay in Michigan, man. Like, try and try and figure out how to beat Ohio State before you come and, and ruin the Dolphins. Anyways, um, I, John Harbaugh, that's the, that's the name for me. That, that sticks out um, more than any if he gets let go. I don't think there's um, any other guys that you could point to and say, all right, that guy is for sure going to do a better job than Adam Gase. I think that what's going to probably end up happening is that there will be a fall guy. And I feel like the fall guy is going to be Matt Burke, and he deserves it. I mean, I hate to call for people's jobs like that, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And this defense, did, did Ethan, is it you who set this stat out yesterday? And they've probably. already given up more, more yards than the one in 15 Dolphins no, defense. no, 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 I should have, but no, I didn't. Uh, I, I mostly put out the uh, the offensive stats, uh, which is <laughs> which, which, which is this one. I mean, Burks which is why, which is why I thought, which is why I thought you did it because you've all, you've been harping on the negative numbers this year. Well, I, well, I have because they're awful, but, but Burke should be fired. Absolutely. No question. Uh, but he shouldn't be, if that's the sacrificial lamb and that's it, it's crazy. And I'm, I'm not even saying to fire Gase. I've never come out and said to fire Gase. I have said they need new leadership at the top and let that person decide what to do with Adam Gase. Okay. That's, do, that's do, I agree with that. Yeah. Do, do, do it from top down. Okay. I like Mike Tannenbaum. It's over. Okay. Let, let's go get somebody else. Uh, you know, I, I put this poll on five reasons sports today. It is funny, man. Like the difference between the perceptions of the two major organizations in this town. I, I, put, I put on considering that the heat are, are in worse shape record wise, not point differential rise, but record wise than the dolphins are right now. I said, which of these people do you most trust? trust to make decisions for the heat. So I didn't even get Spadier or Adam Simon on there. I just, I had to combine the Arisons. So I did the Arisons, Spolster, Riley, uh, and Ellisberg. And then I put four for the Dolphins, Greer, Gase, Tannenbaum, or Ross. Okay. All the responses to the heat one was, oh, there's a couple good choices here. I don't know which to choose. Or they gave me another one, Spadier. All the ones with the Dolphins were can I can I get my crack dealer instead? Okay, that, <laughs> okay. Oh All right. my God. I, I mean, it's just it's the difference in the perception of of the two organizations. And so, my thing on the Dolphins is, uh, you know, I think Greer has done a good job. I don't know. Uh, it does. Right, right. How many how many decisions is Greer actually making? I, I I'm not sure, but he has survived everything. Like he survived like regime after regime after regime. Yeah. Now, now, considering how bad the Dolphins have been, I don't know that that's a great thing. But somebody sees something in him. So I kind of put him to the side, but yeah, Tannenbaum has got to go. They got to bring in a new um, president of football operations. That president of football operations should interview Adam Gase. I, I've been consistent on that because, and they should say, why is your offense so bad? And what is Adam Gase probably going to say? He's going to say, well, I didn't have my quarterback. Okay. For this amount of time. Like, well, okay. But why didn't we go get another quarterback to back that quarterback up? That would be better than Brock Osweiler. And then it's going to be whose fault is it? Okay. Is it Tannenbaum's fault? Is it Greer's fault? Is it, is it Ross's fault? Whose fault is it? And if Ross looks at this at the end of the year and look, their schedule sets up where they could be nine and seven. Yeah. They could be nine and seven. They made about 500 so- team this year. Right. And, and Steve Ross is going to look at that because we we've had this experience with him and be like, Oh, we're on the right track. 
We're on the right. I can hear it now. We're on the right track. We won six games last year. We got our quarterback back. He mm-hmm. missed some time, and we still won nine games, and we were in it until the very last week of the season. And Dolphin fans are going to puke their guts out because it's it's the same thing all over again. I think Ross always looks for the path of least resistance. He's going to look for the easy way. And if they win nine games, it gives him an out. It gives him an out to just say, okay, you know, we made improvements. Maybe we'll have Ryan healthy all of next year. I can hear all this stuff now. Maybe we can have him healthy. They go out and they get a quarterback in the fourth round that they'll try to sell us on and sell us on some hope as they find. I would still, I would still draft one of the first or second round. I love Haskins. I would trade up for Haskins and have him sit behind Tannehill. But think what Tannehill is, is he worth the money you're going to have to pay him when you could just cut him for much less? And then maybe go sign I mean, another veteran now, instead for cheaper. Like the thing, like the thing for me is, why don't they? Like I know, and particularly if Tannenbaum stays, there will be a restructure on his contract, and it's going to annoy me because really the move for for Tannehill is just keep him where he's at. You've got a you've got a bunch of cap space next year. You can cut a bunch of players to get some cap relief, and I, I think you just kind of run it back with Ryan. Like I think they have a projected twenty five million in cap space. Like do nothing to his contract. If agent says he's going to hold out, good, hold out. We're not changing your contract. Like, if they are really going to run it back, like, I just hope they don't touch his contract. I feel like they're going to make it worse on them in the future. Restructure it. For more money, no, it's right gonna now? like it's gonna be restructured so that like in 2020 they can't cut him for reasonable cap relief, like right. like like okay. just because because they want to. They're just gonna they, kick. They're just gonna no, kick. And and, and I heard uh, I heard Robert Mays on the on the Ringer NFL show uh, basically say the Dolphins, you know, guaranteed more money to Ryan Tannehill for no reason just to get a little cap relief that they ended up using on players that didn't help their team win. And that, like, he was making the argument that Tannenbaum deserved to be fired on all the, you know, awful contracts that they've made, or uh, that they signed, and that one of them was Tannehill just, for no reason, like, he's coming off a major knee injury. Leave his contract alone. You could have cut him. You could have cut him for nothing. And instead, they're committed to him for another year, in all likelihood, unless uh, they they figure out more cap gymnastics. But I think if you're going to run it back, I I agree with you, Josh. Trade up and and get a quarterback, uh, because I think you've you've already got a lot of young players at a bunch of different positions uh, where unless you're giving up on them in years two and three, I, I just don't I don't see the obvious area that you're targeting to get a number one pick of the defensive tackle. But I mean, you could probably do that in free agency. I just well, I, 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 I just I, I don't understand in general the whole philosophy of what they want to do for the, for the long term. I also think that this is a very similar situation to, I think, minus the elite running back and the above average to elite offensive line. I think it's a very similar situ- situation personnel wise this um, to what the Cowboys have. Mm-hmm. Dak is just OK. He's an average guy. That's uh, sometimes make the guys around him better. But now you see when without Ezekiel Elliott, he wasn't the same quarterback without before Amari Cooper got there. He wasn't the same quarterback. The receiver core in Dallas is very similar to what the Dolphins had. They had a t- Tavon Austin who was hurt. That was our Albert. That was the Dolphins, Albert Wilson kind of guy. They had a, a, a guy who could stretch the field um, and Alan Hearns. But they didn't have that number one, that game breaker like Amari Cooper until they traded for him. And so I know it's easy to say, oh, just go get a, a, an alpha wide receiver. They did it with Brian Marshall a handful of years ago. But that's something this wide receiver core is missing because I feel like they have a bunch of guys who'd be great in support of a guy or around a guy like an Amari Cooper, say, uh, type guy. Um, so I think that's another position that they have to get better at as well. Um, but like, it's such a the, the thing with this franchise is that they're never bad enough, except for 2007. They're never bad enough to to fully go and blow it up and rebuild. And they're never good enough to make a run in the playoffs. They're always this. And that's mm-hmm. the most frustrating thing. Mm-hmm. And like if they stay the course with everything the same next year, we're just accepting once again mediocrity. And that's frustrating. The most frustrating thing about this town is that the Heat have decided to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, be, I know we want to get to some wrestling talk before we finish here. At least I think Josh does. But uh, I just want to read this one tweet in response to the four options that I gave people, Gase, Greer, Tannehill, and Ross. Uh, <laughs> which, who, who do you trust to make decisions? Somebody tweeted back at me, this is like choosing how you want to die. Okay, wrestling <laughs> conversation. All right, all right, Josh. Uh, plug the podcast. Uh, what are you guys uh, rolling, riffing on on wrestling these days? I saw there was the TLC pay per view over the weekend. Uh, what are you guys going on on Smart Q territory? Well, we are recording Wednesday night, and the TLC recap will come on Thursday or in between Wednesday night and Thursday morning. But I mean, I, if you listen to the last episode we did, the Alexander Barkov episode number sixteen, um, I for about. 30 minutes just kept repeating that I didn't care anymore. <laughs> it, the product had gotten that bad. 
Uh, Raw, SmackDown's been good, but Raw had got me to the point where I just didn't care. But TLC, they got that got me all the way back in. I am all the way back in. What a show on Sunday! Yeah, I, I think for well, it might have been the first time uh, for um, a main roster show that wasn't an all women's pay per view that the women main evented. They had Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and Asuka in a TLC match, tables, ladders, and chairs, which went on for like 20, 25 minutes. It was awesome. They had Ronda Rousey coming in at the end to uh, decide the finish, pushing Charlotte and Becky, spoiler alert, awful. I don't know if you guys are planning on watching this, but... Uh, of course. <laughs> I know we have a watch party plan. I have a DVR. Yes, we are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, she, they, she pushes, Ronda pushes the two of them off the ladder. Asuka climbs up, grabs the title. You have a, a maiden four horsewoman versus four horsewoman feud set up for Rhonda um, and Charlotte, Becky, um, Bailey, and Sasha. WWE Banks, has become like very yeah, WWE has become very woke with women, right? I remember when I was oh, watching yes, like in the, mid to, so. in the mid to late two thousands that uh, that it was kind of like all right, here's something that we have to do so that nobody accuses of being sexist. Now it's like a legitimate part of the company. You know, I was watching. I was sitting in my hotel room on Sunday night watching that main event, and I thought that exact same thing to myself. I'm sitting here watching on a co-branded pay-per-view. SmackDown never main events a co-branded pay-per-view. It's always whatever big match Raw has. AJ Styles was champion for more than a year, and I don't think he main evented a single pay-per-view that was co-branded. And now you put these three women who have done wonders to turn around this women's division. And, and all the women in, in, on both shows deserve credit, and on NXT as well. But the thought of, what, eight, nine, ten years ago that – not only would women be main eventing a, a co-branded pay-per-view, but in a TLC match as well to boot, which has been just a, a stipulation for them. And the stipulations that women got were brawn panty matches, pillow fights, uh, mud wrestling, like bullshit like that. Am I allowed to curse? Please do. I, yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I waited. I waited over an hour to do the hacky. Oh no, we're cutting this out of the podcast. Can I curse? Okay. <laughs> this may go on Patreon, but it's not going to appear on the main feed. So you're okay. Look, WWE gets their fair share of criticism for the way they handle social issues, and they still have a long way to go. Uh, don't even get me started on the Saudi Arabia mess that happened a couple of months ago. But the fact that they have made this stride, this much ground in the way they portray their women, it, they deserve credit for it. Um, and the women delivered because those three put together the best match on the show and one of the best matches of the year on Sunday. And the last night on Raw, all the McMahons were in the ring to start the show, and they promised something new, and then they did the same thing they normally do every week. So uh, we'll see what, what happens from here. Uh, we'll have a lot to talk about on Smarker Territory tomorrow night when we record, so make sure you tune in. Subscribe to the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah no, no negative reviews either. No negative reviews. Don't <laughs> need the negativity. Five stars only. No, just one star is on heat beat and three yards. Um, but uh, but no, <laughs> in, in all serious though, and we, we want to, you know, we, we brought you on in part because we want to promote this. These guys have a lot of fun. Like we've got 15 podcasts throughout the network. Like Bill and Josh have a really good time doing this podcast. It's a great vibe. So, so make sure you check it out. Don't get confused. There's other smart your territories out there and all the rest of this. They're at smart tweets on twitter but at smart your territory on ig and you can check them out but just by typing in five reasons sports as chris said into your favorite podcast provider josh thank you uh thank you for joining us of get, course getting a little closer to the middle of the smattering here <laughs> and uh and hopefully we'll do this again soon yeah, absolutely. Ethan, it was an absolute pleasure to be on the, the podcast with you. I just wish that I could say the same about being on the podcast with Chris. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I feel the same way. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> Come on! <laughs>